What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Mr. Miggity Mac. And with me tonight is my co-host, Dr. Diamond Dove. Triple D. Quick reminder, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook at Adventures in Videoland. Yep. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. Yeah, naughty language. It's not really our style, so we'll try to keep this rated PG-13. Just some mild profanity and artistic nudity. Mm-hmm. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause the episode, watch the movie, and come back later. With that said, tonight we'll be talking about Season 7 Pantheon nomination number 10, The Crow. This one's special because it's a guest nomination, well, a great guest nomination by Videolander John Shippey. John Shippey. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Dr. Diamond Doug, what is Pantheon? Well, Pantheon refers to movies that hit on all cylinders, acting, directing, script score, cinematography, special effects. They are essential viewing, best of its genre. Uh, and they, they, they might even have an X-Factor of X-Factor. There are nine members on the AV Council, and every three weeks for the past several months, the council is, a member has nominated a movie, and everyone else votes yes or no, gives their reasons, 500-word write-up. But now we have, after the council's done, one special extra uh, nomination, and this comes from uh, uh, the council looking at who has been very active, active yeah. in the Facebook Not just the sections, comments, but, but interacting. Writing, yeah, and writing up and doing write-ups. So uh, every so if if you're interested in being uh, chosen as a guest nominator, yeah, then uh, go ahead and get active in the polls. You and, too uh, could be nominator yeah. number ten next season. So the we also have a Facebook poll that counts as another vote. So with the guest voter. And the nine council members and the Facebook poll. There's 11 votes, and mm-hmm. each movie needs a two thirds majority or seven votes to get in. And that puts them in the halls of Pantheon up on the special shelf for all time. Yeah. So, some previous Pantheon votes, some previous Pantheon nominations, and how their votes came out. Doug, why don't you take me through those? Sure. We got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles made it in with eight. Jing. Perks of Being a Wallflower, six. Missed it. Point Break, three. Mm-mm. Muppets Treasure Island got two votes, did mm, not make it in. Not. When Harry Met Sally, 8 of 11. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory made it in with 10. Spirited Away, 8. Uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas had 6 of 11, did not make it in. The last movie that was nominated for us was Kubo and the Two Strings. Did that make it in? I don't or? think it made it in, no. Uh-huh. So, that's where we're at. It oh, was not, not, not uh, last season that we had... Like nine, like uh, like seven of the nine movies, mm-hmm. but everybody was picking heavy hitters. They were hitting all the big Godfather, ones, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, this this season was more pulling on the heartstrings, yeah, the nostalgic strings, and trying to get those like those from the fringes or the edges, yeah. and like their personal favorites, yeah. things that touched them from from their early early years, and and they really felt strongly about. Speaking of early years, yes. So let's do a little foreplay. What were you doing, Dr. Diamond Doug, in 1994? 1994. That was the end of my college freshman year. And uh, I had already started dating my who would be my now wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was still a little bit goobery at the time. Were you? Uh, I was wearing cowboy boots with duct tape. I can't and, see it. Uh, and uh, trench coats and uh, yeah, I had slicked hair, slicked back hair. Yeah, I, I, I was something special then. Wow. The, uh, but uh, you know, I here, had been now. married for a while. Yeah. I had uh, two kids, almost three, and had, was working 75, 80 hour weeks. And I was not as connected to pop culture as I had been in my younger years. Mm-hmm. In '94, those were my heavy work years, kind of paying my dues. And uh, building a building a family and, and a life, and the movies that I saw in 1994 were almost all movies that we could uh, rent. So they were yeah. not first run movies for the most part. I mean, uh, I of course had more time later and got yeah. much more into it again, like I had as a young man. But in '94, it was my very busy years. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think. The uh, it was around that time that I had my first date date with. Uh, my now wife mm-hmm. and we went to the second run movie theaters like for like a dollar fifty mm-hmm. and uh saw the man without a face because that was the movie that was playing at the time that we showed mel up gibson with mel gibson yes. yeah that is a forgettable movie right there yeah, i mean i remember he was in it <laughs> i don't remember his face <laughs> Get got it. it all righty got no, it and it's uh, a joke uh, uh, yeah, I was trying to think of what other movies came out that year that I might have seen, but again, I don't think we went to the theater much. I didn't go to the theater to see that. I waited until yeah. it came out. Uh, I missed a whole bunch of stuff I had to catch up on later. But again, building a family and working quite a bit in those days. All right, well, let's uh, let's chat a bit about The Crow, some movie facts. Uh, uh, why don't you give me the, the real quick, just sure. give me the synopsis. Rated R. It's mm-hmm. in the action fantasy revenge flick genre, directed by Alex Proyas, written by John Shirley, David uh, Sko or Shao, reworked splatterpunk genre, Critters 3, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw 3. If there was a sequel to a movie that was very popular, he was involved. Based on The Crow by James Obar. But he also directed iRobot, Knowing, Dark City. So he did mm-hmm. some some yeah. uh, interesting kind of edge type uh, material. So uh, based on this, uh, The Crow by James Obar, the comic that, um, and he wrote this after a uh, his fiance was killed in a drunk driving accident. Mm-hmm. So he, accident. So he was working out mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, uh, you know, Feelings and Anger. Uh, produced by Jeff Most, Edward R. Pressman, Grant Hill. Cinematography by Darius Walski. Edited by Dan Dove Honing. M. Uh, M. Scott Smith. Music by Graham Revel. Production Dimension Films. Uh, it, it was distributed by Miramax. Disney it was what? going to be Paramount, but mm. then they were like, you know, this is not really for us. But that's Disney's, so they, that's Disney's edgy arm. So they spent it off to somebody else, and Miramax was like, you know what, we're, we're getting in the game. We just did Pulp Fiction, did mm. some other cool films, we'll pick it up. And Paramount was like, fine, take it. Later on, fast forward, Disney buys. Yeah. Uh, or, or Paramount ends up buying... Uh, Merrimax, so uh, where did I watch it? On Paramount Plus. Yeah, on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Released May 13, 1994. Running time of 102 minutes. So yeah, not even a two-hour movie. And uh, yeah, but um, it was starring Brandon Lee and Ernie Hudson and Michael Wincott. Ernie Hudson, by the way, very, in my opinion, underrated. Like, yep. people think of him positively, but I don't think people think of all the massive work Agreed. that that man has Agreed. done. Brandon Lee, uh, you know, this is this is the movie that really catapulted him. Beyond his famous heritage, this is the movie that catapulted him, but, I, but possibly because of all the tragedy, and we'll talk about that later, that yeah. surrounds the production of this movie, not just with Brandon Lee, but others. This, this movie also had Tony Todd of Candyman fame. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Little uh, synopsis from yeah. us. The night before his wedding, musician Eric Draven, that's Brandon <clears throat> Lee, and his fiance are brutally murdered by members of a violent inner city gang. On the anniversary of their death, Eric rises from the grave and assumes the gothic mantle of the Crow, a supernatural avenger, tracking down the thugs responsible for the crimes and mercilessly murdering them. Eric eventually confronts head gangster Top Dollar, paid by Michael Wincott, to complete his macabre mission. Mm-hmm. This was rated on IMDb as a 7.5 out of 10, by Metacritic as a 71 on 14 reviews, with a user score of 8.1. How'd it do on Rotten Tomatoes? 84% fresh, 90% audience score. Very popular. Google has it at 92% liked it. It is a popular movie. That is, there's no question about that. Uh, of the Crow films, and mm-hmm. there's like five of I them. Think there are this five, is yeah. the highest rank, but it does go down precipitously. Yeah, and I think it dipped and then bounced all the there way back up to just six to just rotten. And then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the one with the guy from Iron uh, Iron Chef. Okay. Uh, the the uh, that uh, he played one, but then the most recent one was a three yeah, uh, out of ten. So yeah. there you go. Some Rotten Tomato reviews. Terrence Rafferty of the New Yorker rated it fresh. Alex Proyas' pulp revenge fantasy based on a comic book saga by James O'Barr is dark, moody, and seductively overwrought. It is an amazingly pure expression of morbid adolescent romanticism. 
Quentin Curtis on the other side, Rotten Independent on Sunday, said luridly lit, jumped jumpily edited, and searingly scored, the film is little more than an extended pop video, the thin plot, an excuse for an orgy of destruction and vengeful violence. Yeah, you know, uh, what did you call it? Splatter... Splatterpunk. Sorry, splatterpunk, and <laughs> splatterpunk punk being that term, uh, the yeah. Toxic Avenger, like all these movies where they intentionally went over the top of showing you the detail of the gore instead mm-hmm. of just suggesting it, yeah. a la, you know, uh, uh, Psycho, for example. Um, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, these are Metacritic reviews, uh, gave it, uh, his review is rated an 88. It is a stunning work of visual style, the best version of a comic book, comic book universe I've seen. And Brandon Lee clearly demonstrates in it that he might have become an action star had he lived. On the other side of the rainbow, Jay Boyar, Orlando Sentinel, the Metacritic gives this a 60. The bottom line is that The Crow is a somewhat better than average exploitation flick that has received an extra shot of hype from the untimely and dramatic demise of its star performer. Of the Metacritic Hoi Polloi uh, reviews, again, 8.1, uh, 133 plus reviews, uh, maybe... Uh, There's 14 middles and yeah, 13 Yeah, 14's negative. in the middles and 13 negative. Uh, the Quiet Gamer rated it as a 9. The one thing that sticks out in my mind the most after watching this is how it all could have just been some edgelord's wet dream come to life. Yet, actual emotional maturity was infused into this gothic revenge thriller. Merit Koba rates this as a 5. <sighs> Overall, with a meager story, uninspired dialogue, shallow characters, the usual music, no humor, and unremarkable cinematography, this music, this movie has, a mediocre, has mediocre written all over it. It's only saved by the fact that the cast and crew do the best with what they've got and the budget allows, and that the movie is no doubt a good effort, but ultimately nothing that left me with an impression of greatness. In a nutshell, nothing spectacular lies within. Two things in this particular review that stand out to me. Uh, no humor, and I hadn't thought of that until after I read this review. There was very little kind of sidebar, like, oh, <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff going on in the movie. Uh, and that does stand out, especially in movies of this type. They almost always have a little, you know, snicker on the side. I would I would disagree with the no humor because there's characters like Skank. Yeah, I who, just meant very little. Yeah, like, uh, but it's, it's definitely not Batman. Yeah, yes. 89. Yeah, right? very not, not, not so much. Um, and uh, the second thing is that he, they that uh, uh, Merrick Koba refers to the budget that they uh, that 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 the budget would allow, but uh, we'll talk here in a minute about what kind of budget this movie had. It had a it had a, a fat budget, a decent enough. I mean, budget. not like a hundred million dollars or any crazy thing, but they weren't running on eleven million. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. We had a very active Facebook comment section on Our this. Adventures in Video Land Facebook commenters were very prolific and uh, and very personal in some cases. Mm-hmm. So. So, for example, Josh Morris says, You know, I absolutely hate this film, but I'm not a normal moviegoer. I vote based off the impact a film made on pop culture, not off feeling or nostalgia. By definition, I should love this movie. It has all the elements that attract me to certain things like darkness and a music score. But I see this film as a souped-up Mustang, but with a four-cylinder motor. Wah weird face down your face looks great but just doesn't deliver so giselle butler said you already know what i'm gonna say a resounding hell yes and then she mashed on her emoji uh, keyboard you know if you just like take your hand and just run it across the keyboard yeah she did this across her emoji flame music guitar drama action uh, it's uh, everything love there's a ring texas a high-heeled shoe (laughs) there's a She's got it all. It's one of my favorite films. I'm so happy it's a nominee. I really hope it makes it in because uh, it wholeheartedly deserves the title, music, cinematography, quotes, acting, storyline, direction. The fact that it was based on a comic and still maintains a cult following to this day. Not to mention the film still holds up a tragic loss of its star, but its memory still lives on R.I.P. Brandon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Brooks uh, very simply says, favorite movie of all time. Such a great performance by Brandon Lee. 
Marlon Morales uh, says, I don't th overthink or analyze movies. It's all based on my initial reaction when the movie is brought up, what feelings come up when the movie is mentioned. It's that simple. When I hear The Crow, I think, awesome. It's dark, sad, funny, painful, weird, powerful, and did I mention dark? Nope. L-O-L. So it's a yes for me. <laughs> Nick Fury. I didn't realize we had uh, oh, yeah. a movie royalty oh, yeah. movie on AV, but there yeah, they are. Yeah. How can you not pantheon a movie? That's now a verb. It's a verb. I love it, by the way. He's Thank you, Nick. It has become a verb. How can you not pantheon a movie where Henry Rollins calls someone a stupid ass hair? Uh, was it? I don't know if it was Henry Rollins or I, not. I, I, think, uh, I think it was somebody who looked like him. But uh, I don't. But, I don't know. We can but, look it up. Whether but, the, it was. Uh, but if it was Henry Rollins, that's yeah. awesome too. But the phrase "stupid ass hair" was used in the film. It was, and we've now said it. Marshall Loveless. Yes, most definitely. The movie will always have a profound effect on people who, quote unquote, get it. Oh, All people right. who don't get it. They don't get it. Not a, no effect on them. So there's it, and they don't get it. No, they don't get it. it. They don't get it. Steven Spikerman's, yes, a thousand times, yes. Todd Pohl, here's the OT question. How would we think of this movie if Lee didn't die? It's a good movie, but would we, of that era, remember it as much as we do without the mystique and tragedy surrounding it? I'm not sure it would have necessarily catapulted Lee to superstardom like some fans argue. I have heard that that uh, brought up before. Joshua McLaughlin says, bringing all these aspects into focus, there's really no reason why The Crow should be dismissed as a Pantheon status nominee. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, for this last one, that this is a very personal one, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm including it because uh, like movies are these subjective and personal experiences yes. and sometimes we watch a film and it just it speaks our language it connects to us it, like there's something that happens in the film that reminds us and like we're in yeah like i'm it, there it doesn't matter i totally get yeah. it we've yeah. had this discussion before oh, yeah there's a couple of films that i even hesitate to nominate for yeah. pantheon because because i don't want to hear people say terrible things about, about your baby my baby yeah yeah, yeah. So Lisa Fernandez says, I will never forget the day I saw this film in theater. I had already been a fan of Brandon's in the comic as well as The Cure, Nine Inch Nails, The Rollins Band, Rage Against the Machine. It's one of the few films that hit me both visually and emotionally that I actually sat crying in my seat during end credits. The lights came on and I was alone wishing Brandon hadn't died. That it was all just a beautiful nightmare. Another moviegoer rushed to me and we sat down and cried together before leaving. There were no words. The story reminds me of my sister who was murdered. And to this day, each time I watch this film, I cry. Wishing she could come back, like Draven, for one last embrace. For that reason, it's hard to watch, but such an incredible experience. And you know this is just this is I, I really appreciate Lisa sharing this with us uh, because this is the way that these these movies can affect us and um, not only just affect us but directly connect to something that's so so visceral so 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 close to our heart that it's very difficult and I'm not saying Lisa needs to separate the crow from her experience no way in fact no, no. that's what that's what art is for right. Um, but but it's it difficult to separate them, even if you want to, right? And so um, you know that's that's the reason why some people have such a strong connection to, to one movie or another. It's because of these kind of things. And again, yeah. this is isn't this what entertainment's for? Yeah. And so thank you very much for sharing, uh, like uh, sharing that, Lisa. It, it is uh, it, sometimes we joke and Josh about movies, but yep. movies can also have these real. Honest to goodness, yep. fully human interpersonal experiences. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's talk about how the crow did. Uh, for some receipts, the crow released May thirteenth, ninety four. As you said, one hundred and two uh, minutes by uh, directed by Alex Proyos, and as I said, uh, I Robot, knowing Dark City, and by the way, not just directing, but was connected in a lot of different ways to a lot of different productions besides this one, as uh, you know, maybe special effects or art, that sort of thing. Production budget of twenty three million dollars. So twenty three million doesn't sound like a lot in today's terms, but in nineteen ninety four, that's actually a pretty healthy budget for a movie. 
Um, I think that uh, perhaps, I'm just guessing here, perhaps the issues they had making the movie are a part of why that pinched their budget a bit. Uh, domestic gross of 50.7 million worldwide the same. Average ticket price in 1994 was $4.08, and that's relevant because... We use that number, we divide that into the domestic gross to come up with our patented, trademarked, copyrighted factor, allowing us to compare all movies across multiple decades to each other, the Butts in Seats Index, BSI. So, uh, BSI for The Crow is 12.4 million. 12.4 million Butts in Seats in the theaters for The Crow. Now, that is uh, 50% higher, more than 50% higher, 60% higher than the, uh, I mean, obviously, Fight Club the standard, Fight Club standard. 7.3 million. Of 7.3 million. Right. Everybody, Everybody knows, knows this already, the Fight of Club course. Standard. Yeah, but, yeah. but this is you know, about 60% higher than that. So it did pretty well by those terms. Um, so some comparisons, some other movies. Uh, the Punisher came out in April 16, 2004, 124 minutes, directed by Jonathan Hensley, who did Kill the Irishman, The Ice Road, uh, and then was involved heavily in Next, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and some others. Uh, production budget for that movie, $33 million. Uh, domestic gross, $33.8. Uh, worldwide, $54.7 million. The average ticket price in 2004 was $6.21, giving it a BSI of $5.4 million. So nowhere near as well as The Crow did, in fact. Ghost Rider. Uh, came out February 16, 2007, was 110 minutes, uh, directed by Mark Stephen Johnson, who did Daredevil, Simon Birch. Uh, Ghost Rider had a production budget of $110 million, domestic gross $115.8, worldwide $228, doubled its domestic gross uh, globally. Uh, average ticket price in 2007 was $6.88, giving it a BSI of 16.8. Rather strong. Rather strong. Spawn, a August 1st, 1997. I should say rather strong given the comparisons that we're giving. We've given seen 248 yes. you know, million of course, of course. for Avengers films. Yes, and, of course. And, yeah. But these films, these films that, that are on this list, by comparison, they're not just comparison because they have similar BSIs. They're comparison of storyline or comparison yeah. of movie style or comparison of common art, music, direct direction, yeah. that sort of stuff. Spawn, August 1st, 1997. So it's almost a similar or very similar year. It was ninety six minutes directed by Mark A Z DePay, uh, who direct directorially directed Marmaduke twenty two twenty two. But art, music, uh, special effects was sure. involved in just hundreds of movies and done very very well on that side. Uh, Mark A Z DePay had a production budget of forty million. Domestic gross in Sp for Spawn was fifty four point nine and. Globally, 87.8. That year, average ticket price was $4.59 for a BSI of $12 million. Almost right. exactly the same. Just say that John Leguizamo's uh, clown demon character was creepy as heck. Very creepy. Yeah. But John Leguizamo is an yeah. amazing actor <laughs> who I wish was in far, far yeah. more... Uh, far, far more movies. Uh, how about Underworld? How Underworld, about, um, September 19, 2003, 121-minute film by Len Weissman, who also did Sin City, Total Recall 2012, production budget of $22 million, domestic gross of $52 million worldwide, $95.7 million. Average ticket price in 2003 was $6.03. That gives us a BSI of $8.6 million. I represented three of the 8.6 yeah, million you butts were three of those butts. <laughs> I was three of those butts, me personally. Uh, Blade, April 21st, 1998. 120 minutes, Steve Norrington, who also did, for example, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. A production budget of 45 million. Domestic gross for Blade, 70.1 million. Worldwide, 131.2 million dollars. Average ticket price in 1998 was $4.69. So BSI of seventeen million, double the Fight Club standard, and uh, I think the first R-rated Marvel uh, movie. I think that, so. Yeah, also, one that brought Wesley Snipes back again yeah. as a very, very relevant actor 
And uh, I enjoyed Blade, and I might have represented a couple of those BSIs myself. So, a little fun fact. After yeah. we were chatting about uh, Kubo last time, I got a note from Vincent Suarez. Okay. Because we had talked about, like, it made its money back because it made more than the, mm-hmm. uh, the, than the uh, production budget in the domestic roast or, or whatever. Sure. Uh, but he said, um, more correctly, okay, the uh, that... Because of how things run and how, how much uh, the 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 production uh, co- distribution company gets and everything, that the number is probably about two and a half times higher than the production budget for the for the the production company to be oh. uh, like making yeah. money on the theatrical release. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I really, I and figured, we are talking about theatrical release. Yeah. We're not talking about follow ups and DVDs and streaming and yeah. any of that stuff. Uh, and many of the many of the nominations this season have been movies that are not available for free. Yeah. And so, you know, we've rented several of them at three bucks a pop or or five dollars. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, even we are participating in continuing income streams for these. For so these but thank you to Vincent and uh and if there's anything that we ever don't get quite right because we are not uh movie industry professionals. We've had some mathematical errors where oh, something yeah. got left onto our uh, receipts listing and, and we really, if we didn't catch it ourselves, uh, we have been yeah. notified that, oh, by the way, this was uh, you know, not that number. Perfectly fine with that. And that also means somebody listened. Yay! Yay! Both of them are paying attention. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. So before we get into a deep dig here. Deep dig! Uh, for this nominee from J- John Shippey. Let's, uh, you know, every now and then, actually almost every single time, the person who nominates a movie will send us uh, a token of their appreciation. A a little bit of swag. A bribe. It's a bribe. It's a bribe. bribe. Not that our vote affects the overall vote. Most of the time does not. But, uh, but, you know, we are very honest with our opinions if we think something is or is not. We got a fun little box on the table here. And uh, it's a box. Dropped it off for a friend. Oh, oh. And there's uh, some packaging. Ooh. Oh, look at this! Look some at this bubble pack. Not just. Well, sometimes we have to sh- like. They'll give us a book, and we'll have to share it. But John, two, two got one for each of us. We got the Crow Special Edition by James O'Barr, and this is uh, this, this is, is the, the graphic comic. novel. Yeah. This is the full-on great. This is amazing. I, I have never I have not read this. So I have seen many of these panels online where someone has included them. Maybe uh, I believe it's these exact panels. But I actually uh, will go through and read this. Graphic wow. novels are something that I uh, I don't read all the time, but I'll yeah. get into them and I'll read two or three or four back to back. But this is fabulous. This is great. It's hefty too. Oh yeah. You feel that? Where wow. the teeth of menace jump. Jump, dance, and sing. This is nice. Thank you so very much, John. Thank this will go you. on my special shelf, along with uh, a copy, DVD copy of the movies that we've reviewed or that we've talked about, and uh, and the, the the little 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 gifts and swags that we have. Thank, so you, very thank much, you very much, John. John. I wish I I wish our viewers could see the special edition Crow graphic novel that we have here, but it is something. Uh, ooh, it's got a Clive Barker note on the back. Awesome. All right, cool. All right, so deep dig into John Shippey's nomination. It can't rain all the time. Um, and John says, being chosen to nominate a movie for Pantheon was very exciting to me. I decided I would stay within the theme of the year and pick a nostalgic pick. So for me, that is The Crow. This movie is actually one of the first that made me think about my own mortality. And as Top Dollar says... Your childhood is over the moment you realize you're going to die. It made me realize as a 20-something that I wasn't invincible and I needed to appreciate moments and life for a bit more. A bit more. Brandon Lee's performance in this this is top-notch and would have certainly made him a star if not for the tragedy on set. Michael Wincott as Top Dollar is one of my all-time favorite movie villains. Ernie Hudson as as Officer Albrecht is very underrated performance in this movie, and he absolutely grounds the movie. So many great performances. The soundtrack and score may be one of the best in a movie. I can't think of another movie where the soundtrack played such a huge part of it that isn't a musical. 
I went to the theater with low expectations, knowing the hell the production of this movie went through, and I came out very emotional. The irony of Brandon Lee dying while making a movie about coming back from the dead to avenge his death was not lost on me. Watch Brandon Lee's last interview. This movie had so many moments that when someone mentions the crow, I see them to this day. Victims, aren't we all? Mother is the word God on the lips and hearts of all children. It can't rain all the time. Your childhood is over the moment you realize you're going to die. Rapping at my chamber door, etc. I know this movie is a long shot in making it, but I truly believe it deserves it. It's my favorite movie for many years. Sometimes the movie just works even though it shouldn't, and this one does. I could have went with a slam dunk, but I wanted to give a chance to something that may never, may have never been nominated. Please give it a yes, because if not, I would be on the lookout for a crow, if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> and John, uh, we've, we've, we've read your reviews of other movies, we've read your posts on uh, AV, and, and you know this is just an example of, of the way he expresses himself. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one of the reasons why he's a guest nominator this season, in fact. And it, it is a good nomination, it really is, and it's it's something that I hadn't seen probably for, I would say, 15 years maybe, or a little more than that. Yeah. Um, it is an almost 30-year-old movie at this point, right? So um, it's uh, I watched it twice in the past week, and uh, you know I really I really got a good chance to form, formulate an opinion about it as I did. So, uh, so let's kind of dig in a little bit here. What are some of the uniqueness and challenges for The Crow? So for uniqueness that, uh, in, in, and we're thinking in terms of council members looking at this and seeing what they can get out of it. There you go. So uh, one of the things that this movie is working with is that it's trying to be epic on a budget. Right. And, uh, and, and work, like, not pejoratively in any way, but working with what they've got. To, to, to tell a tale that's as close that they can to the comic book source material. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as uh, setting the, the <laughs> as, I, as I just paged through uh, the black and white somber darkness of the comic book right. that's in front of me right now, that that is captured uh, in, a, in a gloomy uh, mystique that the movie has. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say that the, that in terms of vibe, that's one of the uniquenesses of the film is that it, it really sets uh, sets sets the score mm -hmm. with with how uh, how it's put together and the vibe that it gives. That it, it really encapsulates 1994. It really does, yeah. You know, <laughs> from in the score, in the vibe, in the in the in the dress, in the color, you know, mm -hmm. all of it. So you know, to me, it felt uh, very much like Batman '89, but very, I mean, of course, it's just a few years after, right? So it, I'm not saying the story was the same, but the feeling of it was the same, except for these these little categories that I personally appreciate. My personal preference, I appreciate the little touches of of humor that pop into a movie, of not just like the naming of the characters, which is great, but also the the little things they add, the little scenes, the little sidebars, you know, those kind of things. I really appreciate those, and it didn't. It didn't have that piece for me, mm -hmm. but uh, but it it made the movie unique in that like it took you to this dark place, and it just kind of let you steep in it, you know, like like steeping tea. You just stayed in it. It didn't pop out and then go back in and then pop out and then go back in. It just stayed there, and I get why there's such an emotional reaction to this movie because you're just kind of wallowing in it. Uh, so along that that. This this movie is necessarily unique in the fact that it's the last chance of Brandon Lee to yeah. be on film. Yeah, and he dies in very similar way to his father, to be honest with you, making yeah. the movie and certainly through an accident, right? So uh, there was a lot of um, there was I re I recall there was a lot of sort of uh, rumor rumor mill stuff about how you know uh, that his death wasn't an accident that that it was just oh, like his course, father right? that yeah. you know that the there were the forces that be you know that kind of thing ah, set that aside you're making movies it was a it was a dangerous movie to make to begin with just with the stunt work and so on and so forth um, but beyond that as we've seen even more recently when you work 
on the set with weapons and and there's an accident obviously there's some mm-hmm. so that could be very tragic outcomes and that's not that's not unique to this movie but it's unique in general into the movie industry how often does that happen yeah. not not very right the uh, it, it, in terms of um, movie scores that it brings out it the soundtrack i mm-hmm. should say mm-hmm. not, not not just the score but the soundtrack itself mm-hmm. is is a parade of top build uh, musicians yeah. from the time yes as well so and that that also captures the 1994ness of the film right 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 um now on the flip side as far as like challenges are concerned and we talk about this is the last chance that you have to see brandon lee in a film that one of the challenges is people will wrestle with is is his performance as great as it was not given the fact that he passed on so is he seen in rose-colored glasses right or not you know and then the council right. members might look at that and say you know what just like i can't just give him a pass because he passed on heath ledger passed on uh and then but with but, a track record that went off the charts right and also the the movie the last movie that he gave was just this op- opus you know magnum opus yeah uh, of a performance yeah yeah that's true yeah uh and 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 uh you know, you talked about the you talked about the soundtrack. I think of the soundtrack much like one of our commenters as being one of the uniqueness of this particular movie. You know, The Cure, Machines of Loving Grace, Stone Temple Pilots, Nine Inch Nails, Rage Against the Machine, Violent Femmes, The Rollins Band. Mm-hmm. By the way, Henry Henry Rollins doesn't actually have a credit for this movie, so if it was in it, it was uncredited. Uh, Helmet, Pantera, uh, For Love Not Lisa. Uh, uh, you know, just so many yeah. bands, so much, so much music that was like just signatures of the time although the cure more of an 80s but but certainly still in the 90s one of the challenges goes with this as well is because like if you list down list all those bands and everything and you're like do you like them you're like yeah you're like well none of the songs you like uh that are the popular the most popular ones are like are in these this movie. are like the b-sides yes of a lot of these yeah yeah uh, with the with the exception of maybe big empty by stone temple pilots Fair enough. which um had a, its debut in this movie and was probably um of the biggest hits that you'd recognize them for right. so yeah so one of the insights i had uh during this movie is actually something that you and i were chatting about uh, coming out of the studio today is that uh, you could feel the the uh, the challenges they had uh, with special effects, uh, sound effects, for example. You had made a comment about uh, gunfire. Yeah, like, like the gunfire. Like for me, it sounded like they had a Casio keyboard sound effect machine that had a gunfire, and they just kept hitting that button repeatedly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's so you know, but but sound effects are what they are, and and uh, uh, other movies have had maybe l- less than stands yeah. the test of time sound effects and special effects, and yet we still love them. Uh, but even so, uh, you can kind of feel it, like uh, that. There's just things that happen in the movie that that, that your imagination has to take them, like yeah. to to yeah. to the point they were trying to give you. They they gave you the impression of them. And other things happen in the movie, and you're like, no, no, I just watched that actually happen. So it feels like there's a, there's some things they just couldn't finish. Yeah. They wanted to, and they couldn't. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's one thing. So let's talk about a breakdown. Sure. Uh, acting and casting. How do you feel about acting and casting? If you give it a score, maybe? So I'll start with this, is that for me, the standout, you've got uh, Ernie Hudson absolutely is a standout for me that I thought that he did a great job and like uh, John Shippey had said he grounded the film mm-hmm. and I thought as far as like acting chops and what was on uh, on the screen he he brought class and uh, believability to his parts and everything that he was involved in I agree with you there um, for the rest uh, I'm a, it's more of a mixed bag that um and part of this is goes into directing as well but some of the characters are like comic like 
comic book type villain right goofy and others are not uh that like it it tonally in terms of like how the actors were directed to be that felt kind of all over the place and and i'll say this and it's an unpopular opinion that brandon lee did fine like i think he did great i think he showed some promise he really did but i don't think that it was spectacular like some people see it and like he's the best and i see it and i would say he was suitable have you seen movies that are early in, in an actor's career uh, performer's career and you're like you go back and you see him and you're like wow this was an early one oh man they've they've really grown and changed since then I just watched Logan's Run 1974 and it had uh, <laughs> and it had uh, it had so, some people in there and then I watched uh, or fell down the rabbit trail and I or rabbit hole and I watched Future World because you had mentioned that yes, as a follow up to Westworld which I had just watched uh-huh. and what Future World has Peter Fonda very young Peter Fonda, mm-hmm. and uh, he—you could see—he had potential. He has potential and had potential right. to go on to do some really great but stuff. In but that movie, in that movie, it was like I could see the potential, but okay, keep go, keep at it, in, boy. In a more modern day, <laughs> when you look at, for example, the Harry Potter series, and you look at how not not just the main characters, but almost all of those child actors how many of the child actors in the first movie were you like wow bravo that was awesome but then they're overshadowed by these huge names in the industry who really did a great job now did those did those actors uh, a movie by movie by movie get better and better and better look at the interviews with them they'll tell you they didn't know what they were doing the first time and they got so much better i'm not saying brandon lee didn't know what he was doing i'm saying he had he had the potential, but never had the opportunity to mature into a top-notch, just knock-down, drag-out actor. Just now, to... as the comment from uh, f- that we saw from somebody else is that for those people who get it, right? That, and I think for the people who get it, in terms of like this is their bag, the splatter mm-hmm. punk kind of casting choices mm-hmm. that they they'd be like. This is great. Like, and it it has kind of like a Return of the Living Dead vibe. I was just gonna say, yeah, that. yeah. Um, it, but for me, it was like a mixed bag. Yeah, but not like slapstick uh, splatter no. punk, like Toxic Avenger. Not like no, that. but like the Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right styles. Yep. Directing and editing. You know, I think one of the downsides, one of the actual negatives, in my opinion, uh, and, I, and I don't know how I don't know how I can separate myself from this, is that I think the director actually uh, held back some of the performance. I think that I believe it was direction that actually changed some of the performances where I kind of was like, hmm, yeah, I don't know about that. And and uh, that would be the director though. That's their choices. Editing, however, is a is a way where you can uh, use a little uh, yeah, a video probably. magic and make that better. And I think there was some good editing in order to bring the level of this movie up. There was, uh, like, and I'll I'll agree with everything that you said there. There was for me at least one moment in terms of editing and like directing editing. I don't know where you want to put put mm. the blame, or, mm. but there's this weird freeze frame that happens about. Almost towards the end of the movie where Brandon Lee is looking at Halloween uh, trick-or-treaters walking down. And there's it's not used anywhere else in the movie. But then they do this kind of like freeze frame and then close up, close in on him. And it it just felt out of place. Yeah. Like, like, like we didn't do this. Were we going to do this other places and we just didn't? Was this the end of the movie that, mm. but then they did something like, something you know, else happened yeah, after. yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I actually found myself in the in the, the the most recent two viewings, really liking Brandon Lee's character, at the beginning, when he was himself had not gone through being brutally murdered, yeah. not or in through, the flashbacks, or in the flashbacks. Yeah, that version of Brandon Lee, I really liked that character. The Crow version of him, I was like, uh, yeah, what, uh, what's he doing? Yeah. Uh, this sounds terrible. Sounds like I'm being negative. I'm not. I just didn't get that piece of it. But I really liked this character. Well, and that he I, was just being himself. So on my second viewing this week, and I was just kind of like mentally playing with, all right, 
What if they had done it different ways? Uh, like if they had, if he was more growly, gravelly with his voice, or, or if, if he was more silent and did said less, but he was more of a Michael Myers kind of like unst- just thought experiments. Right. Uh, right. But but yeah, same kind of thing for me, where it was like some of these choices I'm not sure. Yep. About. Yep. And I think that directing and or editing that that category is one of the two categories where I feel like the movie didn't do as well now screenplay and story i i am a sucker for revenge movies i just love them i i I, I, you know someone's been wronged and they come back in all the creative ways in which they get the revenge i will watch that day in and day out bad movies good movies all the movies for me i love it i split these two story I'm I'm fine with it. Sure. Screenplay in terms of like the dialogue that was written, like <laughs> some of these things, I'm like, oh come on! I like it feels like I'm re- reading a a 14 year old's diary. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe it was. A lot some of, of it's probably stuff. based directly off of the off of the uh, the the original book. But on the other hand, um, uh, like I said, I love the creative ways that someone gets their revenge, and sometimes the dialogue was just all about the creative way they got their revenge, and so I was okay yeah. with that um i will say cinematography and locations i liked i liked this aspect of the film that part of the movie like the uh, i liked what they did they worked with their budget some of the like some of the stuff is like okay those are models those are model buildings those are model cars yeah whatever i didn't mind but there were some reused shots as well and the rain the 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 rain it just never stopped <laughs> it can't always rain i'm like well it can it barely does apparently does in this film <laughs> but uh, but no i thought in general that cinematography and locations was actually pretty good yeah. and, and i enjoyed it and, and it and it really played with of course the, the look and feel of the movie that in the difference between the flashbacks and the and the and the, and the today uh you know the the, the up-to-date uh, of him after he came back those were obvious and done well with that i liked it i have nothing negative to say about the score while those songs were not like those number one hits yeah. that we know you could tell who it was uh they were they were that was music that i had heard before i've listened to full albums from most of these uh these artists many 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 times yeah. and recognize their style and the... it definitely felt like i was sitting and listening to the hot topic station <laughs> but uh i i won't say anything bad about the score the uh the, it, it fit the movie um speci- yep, you're choking me up special effects and notables the special effects it had some special effects i don't fault it it was 1994 it, it used like i, I like some people complain about the cheesiness of the gun wounds coming back i liked it actually like yeah i was fine with those i was cool with that yeah Um, that was a neat effect and uh and notables would also be the 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 look yeah of the crow as a character yeah uh, that and we haven't talked about some of the details but you know they did his makeup and he was like "Eh, it's too perfect how about i do my makeup last night (laughs) sleep on it and then we'll shoot after i get out of bed i mean what a great idea right yeah yeah how about an x factor for you this movie came out just after i would have cared about it in terms of like my own teenage angst Mm -hmm. i had i just kind of moved past it and i was on to other things and um i didn't I didn't need the like I I, I had told you before yeah. is that every scene had a feeling of like in the background it would be like screw you dad yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, like uh, so like like the, the like. I, f- I could totally feel a 14-year-old watching this movie and being like, yeah, and if I was murdered, I'd come back and I'd murder everybody who murdered me and it would be great. <laughs> um, it, it, I, didn't, I didn't watch it in the formative period for me. I know it's, it, it is iconic and you could show me a silhouette of the crow and i'd be able to be yeah. like oh that's the crow Probably like it's any culturally scene from important the movie, yeah as a, as a movie poster and you yeah. without any yeah. text you'd yeah. be like that's the crow yeah um, absolutely you so for me the uh you know we, I, I sound like we're like we I, I feel like we sound like a couple of farts but I, as i said this movie came out at a time period where i wasn't watching as many uh current movies uh, at the time but in re-watching it, I'm like, man, I should have got into this. This is actually one of my genres, right? Um, also, being a, being essentially a superhero movie, right? So 
that also would be, you know, yeah. would check a box for me. And, um, the, but the, the thing is, is that I didn't watch this back in the day and connect to it, right? Yeah. So I didn't have that X factor. But if there is an X factor for this movie, it's not for me personally. It's that I can see from the comments, from, from what people are saying, from the way it's rated. I mean, that this movie has a definite X factor to it. In it's the, not mine. In the same way that Fight Club does, in sure. the same way that Boondock Saints does. Yes. And they, like, like, these are all these kind of, like, rage against the machine sure. <laughs> movies. But sure. yes, it's theirs. It's, yeah, it's theirs. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get why it has an yeah. X Factor. I totally do. And, uh, you know, it, it won uh, five awards. Uh, it had seven nominations. Uh, that's Those are not huge numbers but no. it it did win five did. awards academy of science and Fi- science fiction mm-hmm. movies fangoria mtv yeah like it, it won it was awards. culturally pop it was pop culture yep and it was culturally significant at the time it came out not just because of all the crappy stuff that happened during the production of the movie beyond the death of brandon lee which of course was was uh was terrible i mean who, who wants that kind of stuff so speaking of that, Michael Massey, the actor who uh, was involved in the scene, uh, actually pulled the trigger uh, that of the gun that went off that killed Brandon Lee. Uh, although he was not at fault for Brandon Lee's death, he actually stopped acting for a year uh, because he was so traumatized by the incident. And his next major film was a small role in Seven in 95 there was two other things that he's credited for their international movies that he did something with uh but seven was the was the uh, u.s credit and up until his death in 2016 he says he's never he had said he's never watched the movie never watched the film at all so director alex Proyas uh, originally wanted to shoot this entire movie in black and white to go along with the 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 comics uh, a la Sin City, yeah, you know. right. Uh, but the <laughs> the studios would not allow him to experiment with the approach, and uh, this made Proya shoot much of the movie in monochromatic co- color theme mixed with red, dark, and dark gray. <laughs> we mentioned Lee's uh, uh, face paint uh, already, and how he decided to sleep with it. But um, also, um, uh, when James O'Barr stated that. Uh, on the on the James O'Barr states on the Crow DVD that when he met with the movie's executives, originally they wanted to make this a musical starring he he Michael Jackson, and he immediately starts laughing uncontrollably, thinking they were joking, only to uncomfortably find out that they were actually quite serious. A very different Crow. Yes. A yes, very, a very, very different, different crow. crow. According to Empire Magazine, cocaine abuse was rampant on set, with cameramen shooting whilst high, the crew going into toilet into the toilets to snort between shots, and people cutting around. One crew member recalls hearing the sound of a sneeze <laughs> on the set, and an annoyed Brandon Lee quipping, "Someone just lost fifty dollars." <laughs> Apparently, the production didn't have the money or the space to shoot a car chase sequence. As I mentioned earlier, they did it with miniatures. Like, I could just see, I always, whenever I think about that, I always think of, like, Hot Wheels being pushed around by somebody with a a green glove on, right? (laughs) Uh, During the first day of shooting, and we talked about the the things that happened on set. So many things. During the first day of shooting in Wilmington, North Carolina, a carpenter suffered severe burns after his crane hit a live power line. Mm -hmm. On subsequent days, a grip truck caught fire. A disgruntled sculptor crashed his car through the studio's plaster shop, and a crew member accidentally drove a screwdriver through his hand in that one yeah like how do you i have 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 stabbed myself in in that webbing between my thumb and index finger with a screwdriver accidentally hit my my thumb with a hammer i've hit my i've done but driven i i as a child was using uh an ice pick to poke holes in the top of a mason jar to collect fireflies i was eight seven why i had an ice pick i don't know and I missed the jar and jammed it directly into again my webbing. The meat, and it, and it was so far in that it was poking out in the skin uh, just above my wrist. It went all the way through the meat of the, the oh, heel yeah. of my hand and was all the way in there. Uh, but I don't know how someone, unless they were jabbing it on something, yeah. drove yeah. a screwdriver through their hand. So Ooh. Brandon Lee requested that one Asian character from the comic who tries to steal Eric's powers be removed from the script because he felt it was too much of a stereotype. 
And it didn't show up in the movie. It didn't show up in the movie. And body count. Body count. How many? Like, I'm thinking uh, 25. Uh, nope, nope. Higher. Nope. Higher. 27. Nope. 30. There, one more. 31. There were 31. Body count. 31. Body count. So let's uh, let's chat about some voting. Sure. We know some of the votes we so do. far. At this point, we, we know, know Brad has said yes. Yeah, loves the film. Loves it. Brandon, Matthew, and Kyle have all said no. I was a little surprised by Kyle's no, but yeah. after reading his his uh, response, I, it makes more sense to me. Uh, and we know that John's is a, he's the guest nominator, so that's a yes. So, so that's currently two. we got two yeses. As of this recording, we need five more yeses amongst. There's a Facebook poll that also oh, is sorry, at a that's yes. Also a yes. So we need four more yeses. We need four more yeses. So we have five voters. Nathan, Jeremy, Rachel, April, and Adam have we. As of this recording, we don't have their votes. Four out of the five need to say yes for this to get into Pantheon. I think it's slim. I, I think it's slim pickings I, that I, it, this gets in. It is because... definitely possible. It's definitely possible. And while your and my vote don't count at the moment, or they don't count at all. But while they they only count towards the yeah. towards the Facebook poll, and the Facebook poll is ninety seven yes, nineteen no, mm-hmm. and very few haven't seen it or need to rewatches. Um, so, our you know our votes aren't going to make a difference there, but. Of the five council members, uh, having four of them say yes, and only one more no, I think uh, would be a stretch. But I am pulling for you, John Shippy. I would love to see you know this movie make it in for you. But if it was up to me and I had to vote, I, I would say no. But uh, but that does not change. The way I feel about the movie and, and all the things I've already said, the stuff that I love about the movie, the stuff I like about the movie. And I'll tell you where my vote came down. I just I stopped, I was thinking about it earlier today. You know, we're going to do our recording tonight. What am I going to say? What's my vote? And uh, I, I mentioned that to my wife and she said, well, let me ask you this. If if I haven't if I hadn't seen it yet and I said, well, you will watch it again with me. Can we watch it together? What would you want to do? And I said, huh? You know, I might work, uh, do some work with it on in the background while you mm-hmm. watch it, but I'm not sure I want to sit down and watch it again. Perhaps that's because I just watched it twice uh, recently, but also, if, it, if there's a movie that I would think is Pantheon, I would have dove right on it and said, yeah, let's watch it yeah. right now. So, um, I would say no. What about you? So, for me, it's a no. Okay. It, it, it's a movie that uh, not only did I not, just personally resonate with it just because mm-hmm. it wasn't like it wasn't my movie so right. it, uh, but on top of that when I was watching it that there was just too many things that made that didn't push this up over into the edge of upper echelon of right. movies I could see and I watched it several times mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching it and like I had a good time there was also times where I'm watching I'm like come on uh or I rolled my eyes at certain lines of dialogue, or there was things that I tilted my head at in terms of decisions. And with all of those things together, it's enough for me to say, this movie is a movie you should watch. Absolutely. That it's culturally important, uh, and other people can love it, and I'm totally okay with that. But in terms of, like, if I was to vote on it to Mm -hmm. say, I'd say no. But here's the other thing. Uh, Our, Our votes of yes or no... We have been way wrong yeah. on what people want in Pantheon in the past. So we don't, we're not saying that we are yeah. the end all be all. We're only talking about our personal opinions here. And also, uh, so that it, because uh, John, I know you're going to listen to this, that I want to make sure that you uh, know that we appreciate this nomination. We Absolutely. Have, we've appreciated chatting about it. And yeah. we can have a different difference of opinion on this movie but that doesn't stop the fact that we really enjoyed the fact that you nominated it so that we could talk about it and this really does put a nice capstone on a wild season all over the board right yeah. everything from we had two full-on uh, anime yeah. movies we've had uh just 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 all over the place as far as different nominations and and even John said, you know what? I was going to pick a slam dunk, but then I thought everybody seems, not everybody, but most people seem to be picking movies that have some personal yeah. connection. So he went for it. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate uh, Lisa's 
uh, as we said earlier, uh, a willingness to talk about yeah, yeah. in her in her write up to talk about why this movie and means at the so end much. Of the day, I get why. Pantheon, it's a fun thing that we do. It's, it's a, just it's a, fun a game yep. for us to be able to, for all of us to be able to talk about movies and to to showcase things that we love and see what other people think and just sure. like have a, a back and forth. Yeah, things get into a Pantheon, but like uh, it's about the journey. Not necessarily the, the destination. So. All right. So, and those were our final thoughts, actually. We jumped right, right forward to final thoughts. Uh, so, um, you know, you have anything else you'd like to add before we close up? You know, uh, I, I don't have anything else to add except for thank you, John. And this has been a fun season. I have really appreciated this season. I can't wait to do our season review. Uh, as always, I hope everyone's enjoyed uh, tonight's conversation. Dr. Diamond Doug, where can Videoland find you? You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook as well. And you can find us on Instagram, adventuresinvideoland.com. But the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Videolanders, onions, they make you fart. Big time. Uh, I don't think we should end with that. Come on. How about this? We We love love you. you.